is currently 1.37 in the morning. I just ordered some McDonald's. I am hungry and I am sitting on the floor of my bedroom just to, you know, set the scene about how this episode is going to go. So I've been avoiding doing this episode for the last couple of days now because I initially recorded this weeks ago back in December but I've had to now do a re-recording because that episode was a prototype that nobody will ever hear outside of my classmates and professors. I have been avoiding doing this out of fear and anxiety of what's to come once I put myself out there. I think that is the only explanation that I can think of. Every opportunity that I've had to do this, I've avoided it. And with my ADHD, it's just been exacerbated. So I thought, why not do it while I'm waiting for my McDonald's? (laughs) And I was going to re-listen to my old episode and write down all the points that I made in that one so I could have some sort of thing to go off on. But I think for this episode, I think it's best if I just, you know, go straight off my head and do the best I can with that and there's always things to edit out so if I needed to edit something I'll be able to edit something so that's that's the goal so hi my name's Hafiza I use she her pronouns and I am the host of wait what was I supposed to do a podcast for neurodivergent women of color and non-binary people of color who are looking for some way to either navigate their brains or to kind of hear the experiences of other people um, within the neurodivergency space. This space is very diverse, but unfortunately the people who are leaders in this space, as well as the data around this space, is not as diverse. A lot of content surrounding neurodivergency, especially things such as ADHD, anxiety, autism, are very rooted in white cishet male I guess, people, (laughs) entities, um, like many things in this world, in this country, because we live in a white supremacist framework that has basically influenced every part of our systems, institutions, governments, what have you. So because of that, and, you know, racial biases and racism in medical fields, mental health fields, etc., we see a lot of lack of data or minimal data surrounding marginalized communities. And that includes women of color, non-binary people of color who are experiencing things under the neurodivergency umbrella. So I got the idea to make this podcast um, because of my class. We were supposed to basically create a product of a new service of sorts in order to fill a gap within a community that we felt was not being properly covered or properly taken care of by journalism or what have you. And I thought podcasts would be the best way to do this because pretty much anyone can listen to a podcast. Um, And that's excluding, unfortunately, hard of hearing folks, people who are deaf. Um, But I will do my best to have transcripts of the podcast available for anybody who wants to read it. 
but podcasts are booming. They are everywhere now. Unfortunately, anyone with a microphone and a cell phone can upload a podcast. And that has put microphones and cell phones into the hands of people who should not have podcasts. I hope I don't become one of them. So this first episode is basically going to be giving a rundown of my experience with neurodivergency and just kind of an overview of my life from childhood until now. And please try and follow me here as I do this. Again, I was going to write some notes down, but I just decided not to. So I'm really just going off my head. So please excuse me if I go on tangents, but that's just how my brain works. So if we want to do this in chronological order, I guess we'll start from literal preschool. Um, I was a disruptive child in preschool. I would just talk. I talk a lot. If you're friends with me or you know of me, you know that I am very outspoken. I talk a lot. If you went to elementary, middle school, high school with me, you knew that I got in trouble. For talking a lot. Preschool was no different. To the point that one time when I was at school, I was very quiet for some reason or whatnot to the point that they thought that I was absent until I said that I was present during attendance. So take that information as you will. Let's fast forward a little bit. Elementary school, Still very talkative and whatnot, disruptive. I was a very bright student, as many people who are neurodivergent are. You know, you end up in the gifted and talented programs, all that jazz. I did that, I believe, in third grade for a little bit. Didn't really do much. I think we just read books and had fun. I think that was really it. I don't think there was anything special outside of that or nothing special enough for me to remember it. So I was a gifted and talented child, but I was also still heavily punished for my disruptions in fourth grade we had a well in second grade we had a color system so if you know green yellow red if you got to red you would lose certain privileges yada 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 don't know how many times i got to red and this is all because of me being disruptive i didn't fight didn't hurt people i wasn't rude to teachers i literally just could not shut the fuck up (laughs) and that seemed to rub people the wrong way and Once I got my diagnosis this past year, I got it in January 2022, all of the things that I could just keep thinking about was why didn't anybody try and figure out what was going on with me? Why didn't anybody try to see, oh, she's constantly doing this. Maybe there's an underlying issue. Instead, they just completely refused to and consistently attributed it to me and who I was. And so I internalized that. Very early on growing up, I internalized being the loud, outspoken, rambunctious, crazy, whatever words you want to use. That's what I internalized. I made it my personality to a fault, very strong fault. But I had no other explanation for why I was doing what I was doing. And I had nobody to help me figure out why I was doing what I was doing. So that's what the result was. I was labeled as such and I leaned into it and it was tough you know and with my parents being the immigrant parents that they are they also didn't really understand what was going on with me and I would get in trouble with them routinely at home for getting in trouble at school because education is very very important 
to my parents as many Nigerian parents like to emphasize and so for me to kind of disrupt that whole ecosystem was not only seen as a disservice to myself but also reflected poorly on them you know you have to keep up appearances when it comes to Nigerians like they care so much about how other people think of them even though they say that they don't but they really do and that definitely impacted me and my not only ADHD but anxiety because I too began to care about how other people viewed me even though I shouldn't. Middle school pretty much the same old things but it got a bit worse because all the other elementary schools merged into the large middle school in my town so I'm meeting new people who are not used to my personality not used to who I am and I always wanted to make a good impression on everyone. I really wanted to be everybody's friend. I was I was a nice person. Unfortunately i definitely had issues with certain people and whatnot but I don't think I ever really gave a reason to people to bully me or to be mean to me except for the fact that I was who I was and I acted the way that I did. I despite my tendencies to speak out and everything like that again still was a great student. Uh, I was in all the honors classes, did so many different extracurricular activities which I think I can attribute to my ADHD because if if you have ADHD, you know, you pick up hobbies like like it's just candy. You do everything under the sun, and I honestly think that's a beautiful thing to want to do everything. Yes, it burns you out. Yes, it's hard to juggle, but to just have fascination with things and have fascination with the world, I I think that's a bit great. So I wish I knew felt like that when I was younger, but I was fascinated by a lot of things, especially the arts. So, you know, theater kid, band kid, singing kid, all of the kids, that's what I did. But outside of that, you know, just classes every day, but my, again, my personality and how my ADHD shaped my personality, a lot of people didn't really mesh well with that and I for some reason which I know now as rejection sensitivity dysphoria but at the time I didn't have the language for it did not take that well so not only was I a disruptive person but I was now also deemed a crybaby because every little joke or every little instant of somebody rejecting me or not wanting to hang out with me or speak with me or whatever like that I took that very deeply and I did not know how to regulate my emotions so I would just cry it was very hard when people rejected me it was very hard because again I was like I didn't do anything to you to reject me and I didn't know why people would reject me when I didn't do anything to them and the crying didn't make it easier and if you know anything about my town the middle school is brutal it's absolutely brutal everybody there's so mean so many mean-spirited individuals at that school I would rather go back to high school than go back to middle school that's how bad it was and I was on the routine end of that constantly so dealing with that dealing with rejection sensitivity dysphoria but not knowing all of it made me feel like such a fuck up growing up because I was like I literally cannot control these things and my parents my teachers they would all hold it against me to the point that I remember my dad literally had to fight for me to get back into my honors classes in eighth grade for science because despite my grades, because of my behavior, they said that I might not be well suited for it. But they couldn't dispute my grades and my test score, so they had to put me in it once my dad requested it. That's how bad it was. And again, I really, really am disappointed in how ableism is seeped into our educational systems without us even knowing it. And that's something that I'm going to discuss further later down the line with this podcast. But the fact that none of my teachers, you know, decided to step in with a professional and say, hey, 
this is what's going on. And I think that can also be attributed to the fact that I was a young black girl. And young black girls are routinely adultified. Young black girls are routinely stigmatized. And they are constantly held to a higher standard compared to their white counterparts and their non-black counterparts. So me being a young black girl who's loud, rambunctious, cannot control herself, does not know why she can't control herself, definitely probably contributed to all of the over-policing and the penalization that I faced while I was in middle school and a little bit of high school. Another distinct thing that comes to mind in middle school, which is really sad, but I remember one day I was given a bet by some students and they said, if you can't, if you decide to not talk for the entire day, then we will give you like a dollar or something like that. Two dollars. Two dollars at the time get you a couple candy bars at the local corner store. Two dollars today cannot get you shit. (laughs) But two dollars back then was really nice because my parents didn't really give me money like that. So I did it. And throughout the entire day, I kept quiet. But what's The really sad part is that when teachers heard of the bet, instead of putting an end to it, they just went along with it. And some of them were like, oh, it's so peaceful. It's so quiet in here. All of those things. And they would make jokes at my expense. And I'm like, these are teachers. These are teachers making jokes at my expense because I decided to do this bet. It wasn't until I got it to like my second to last period. This was eighth grade. My second to last period. It was my math period with my teacher, Mr. Hansen. I will never forget this. When I wanted to answer a question during class, but I couldn't, he asked why. And they told him, oh, because she has to be quiet for today or else she won't get a dollar or whatever. And he put an end to it immediately. He was like, no, that's stupid. Stop that what like what are you doing and once he said that you know i felt a bit of shaving guilt and i proceeded to speak and obviously my classmates were disappointed but also like it was very cruel of them to kind of parade me around as some sort of show or that so that was middle school will not go back there again it wasn't until maybe seventh eighth grade that my adhd symptoms began came a bit more severe so it was mainly the hyperactive tendencies that I was dealing with speaking out of turn all of those things but it wasn't until seventh eighth grade that the inattentive things started happening so you know not paying as much attention in school sorry I'm telling my uber to not ring the doorbell what was I saying? Oh, it, my inattentive tendencies didn't kick in until 7th to 8th grade. And this is also around the time that I started marching band. So I added something else to my plate. And after marching band, I was tired a lot of days. So I started slacking on some work or things of that nature. But also, like, I started not really caring about certain classes or whatnot. Or at least not paying attention. I don't know. But those are things that started to get a bit more exacerbated in high school. Fast forward to high school, I went to a county school. It was a very kind of cutthroat county school. Everybody there had big brains, unfortunately, and so they made it their whole personality. But I was just kind of there, I think out of luck, honestly. I know I was smart, but I did not do the best work that I could have done at that school. And the inattentive tendencies kicked in a lot more there because I wasn't really clicking with the work. I wasn't really enjoying the work. And it was just hard for me to do physics, chemistry, algebra that I did in middle school. For some reason, I couldn't do it in high school. I remember I was so happy because after sophomore year, I was not required to take any more math classes. I completed the requirements. I refused to take any more. Like, it was so bad. But... 
the hyperactive tendencies were still there speaking out of turn speaking a lot and everything like that so my reputation that preceded me in middle school ended up fostering in a new form in high school but the inattentive tendencies definitely came about especially when it came to big projects big projects big assignments started to be a huge feat for me it was very hard for me to look at a project and immediately break it down into conceivable steps that I could do in a timely manner and still get everything on time. Instead, I started to become very overwhelmed. I submitted a lot of big assignments late. I submitted a lot of big assignments halfway done or 75% of the way done because I was like, I'd rather have that than have a zero. And it was because there was a lot of pressure riding on this as well, not only from my school, but also again from my parents, because this school was kind of like a ticket for me to get into as best of a college as possible, all of those things. Again, education is very, very important in my house. So when those things started happening, you know, again, I started questioning myself and my abilities and whatnot. And my dad saw it as a sign that I was doing too much outside of school. So I couldn't do track after sophomore year because I didn't receive high enough grades that he thought I should have received. I couldn't do marching band after my freshman year of school, which really sucked because he saw it as a you know, time sucking and like energy wasting. I could only sing at school and that was pretty much the only creative outlet that I had. And even then he didn't really like that either because all he all saw it as a waste of time and as something taking away from my education. But the inattentiveness didn't get solved because I was taken away from that. But I had no choice but to do all of those things. Junior, senior year, I kind of wised up and I was able to get things kind of sorted enough so that I was able to do well on school enough to get into college. So I went to Temple after high school. Pretty much a fresh start because only one other person from my high school went to Temple with me and he was a friend, thankfully. And it was there that I sort of started to embrace my rambunctiousness. I became a lot more outspoken because I was in this new space, especially outspoken about issues that were important to me. But I was still very talkative. But one of the things that I kind of appreciated was that my professors really allowed me to lean into my personality. And there were times that I would like, you know, let them know, well, I am holding back because in the past, I've been told that I've taken up too much space. I've been told that my voice has been heard enough that I don't need to talk anymore. And they would reject those notions and they would allow me to take up space and they would allow me to be comfortable with my thoughts and share my thoughts. And it fostered a really great thing for me and it made me a bit more excited to be who I am. But it also made me a lot more comfortable with the fact that not everybody's going to get who I am. But the people around me in that moment and in the past who stuck by me despite everything, they got who I am. But the inattentiveness in college, oof, it got worse. It got so bad. I remember I literally was not able to just push my brain to study for this one quiz that I had in my mapping class. And I remember crying to my TA like I was not ready for this I can't do anything. And I was like, it just my brain just wasn't working. And thankfully, he was kind enough to let me take it at a later date and I passed. But kindness is never guaranteed. And you might come across some professors who are not the best or not well equipped to deal with students who might be facing these types of issues. It wasn't until my second slash third year, because I graduated early, that I contemplated the fact that I might have ADHD. 
So I began to utilize an unofficial diagnosis when conversing with professors about, hey, I can't get this in because of X, Y, and Z. And 99% of the time it worked, but again, they were not necessarily equipped to deal with this because I didn't have anything from disability services, so I couldn't necessarily get a pass completely, but they would be a bit more lenient with their grading and they would take off less points than they normally would. But it always hurt to see how many points I lost because of my brain. And I saw it as a failing of myself rather than the fact that my brain is just not wired the same as other people. And for other people that have discipline and are able to push through, I can't push through unless I'm literally at my last possible moment. And that sucks. I had to take incompletes, I believe, in two classes after I graduated. And getting those incompletes done and out of the way was literally the most horrific struggle ever. I remember also having to submit late work like my second Spanish class. And again, literally crying to my professor like, I don't know why I can't do this. And I think it was a mixture of my ADHD and my anxiety. My ADHD seeing such a big task and being like, oh, this is impossible. We can't do this. And my anxiety worrying that oh, I don't know as much as I think I do, and that, oh, I'm not as smart as I think I am. Those things combined definitely impacted my inability to do certain assignments or to do big projects or to do final tests, things like that. I was very grateful to have such kind professors throughout the entirety of my four years, with the exception of two who will not be named, but I do not wish them anything good, kind of. I don't like to wish bad on people, but I don't, they weren't the best. I digress. Anyways, the kindness of my professors is what carried me through my three years of school. And I am very grateful and very indebted to them because I would not have been able to graduate without their kindness because they could have been mean and they could have failed me and then I would have had to repeat things, but they didn't. And it was wonderful. So I hope that if you're an educator listening to this, that if your student is struggling to be more kind and to be more understanding and thoughtful rather than just immediately going on the punishment route because that just makes things worse usually. So I graduate university. I'm in grad school now. I just finished grad school this past December. Same things coming up. Inattentiveness. Talkativeness was kind of normal stable I guess you could say I have a better control over raising my hand now for certain things but a lot of things in graduate school were just discussions so people were usually able to kind of jump in unless we set that boundary of like no we need to raise our hands or what have you but yeah my inattentiveness got so bad that I was having breakdowns constantly to the point that I just went to um, disability resources and I was like can you find me a therapist and a psychologist or a psychiatrist that is able to diagnose me Because I need an official diagnosis if I want to get disability accommodations. Because I had no accommodations. January of 2022, I was finally able to get the confirmation that I needed from a nurse practitioner that said, yes, you do have ADHD combined types, so both inattentive and hyperactive parts of ADHD. Not only that, but I was also diagnosed with depression and anxiety, both generalized anxiety as well as social anxiety. You can imagine where that social anxiety has come from, given all the information that I've given you about my childhood. I was given all of that, but unfortunately, the accommodations at my school kind of sucked, so I was kind of left to my own devices. They were very minimal, and on paper, what I was given, I, I never used it. 
I had to literally just rely on myself and again the kindness of my professors and let them know hey I have this I'm dealing with this let's work something out together the majority of them figured it out again another two of them did not figure it out and another two of them were actually quite rude pretty abrasive and very harmful to me and I called them out on their bs because you can't act like this in a teacher role you have power over these students you can't act in a certain way like that's not okay just because you see yourself as an expert in x y and z no like get off your high horse despite those two anomalies I was still able to vouch for myself and get the help that I needed from my professors for me to graduate. So that is my, I guess, childhood into educational history of ADHD. So where am I now with my ADHD? Part of my ADHD impacted my eating habits and that combined with school led me to really heavily rely on apps like Uber Eats and Grubhub to get my meals throughout the day. Also many instances of me just not eating until like maybe late afternoon because I was too lazy quote-unquote or tired to get anything so I recently acquired a dietitian to help combat that and we're working on making visual cues for me to not only make sure that my groceries don't go bad but that I'm eating three times a day and there is a link to ADHD and like you know disordered eating or things like that that I didn't know about until somebody else pointed it out And I realized that my ADHD was impacting that to a certain extent. So that's something that I am now taking under my belt. Object permanence is an issue that people with ADHD deal with. The idea that if something is out of sight, it is out of mind. You don't know how many times that has impacted me and it's been terrible. And part of that unfortunately has impacted my experience with food. So we're working on that. My money habits have also been impacted by my ADHD. I have a lot of FOMO when it comes to buying certain things. I also am very impulsive when it comes to buying certain things like this McDonald's that I bought. I'm starving so I feel like there's an exception but it's literally left me with two dollars left into my bank account. That's how bad things are. On the flip side one of the things that I love about my ADHD and again this is to a fault because it also makes me late to certain things, but it's my hyper focus. I can hyper, it's funny. It's it's really funny because people with ADHD, they have the ability to either hyper focus on one thing or just not focus on anything at all. But once you're in the zone for one thing, nothing can really snap you out of it unless you have a serious time commitment. So I will hyper focus on a task and it would be great because I'll get some great work done. But then my brain is exhausted and I'm just like, I can't do anything anymore for the rest of the day. I am currently trying to get meds, but um, three weeks ago I was told to get an EKG, which is basically just a report on your heart health. I was told to do that from a nurse practitioner to get some stimulants because my last doctor was not able to uh, give me stimulants and so everything that I tried was an SSRI and they didn't work at all. But besides that, I've not called the doctor to get the order to get the EKG because of my ADHD. So I'm trying to figure that out. We'll see how it goes. For the most part, I'm managing with all of these tools and things that I been trying to acquire for myself now but I definitely do think meds would be a lot more helpful with my ADHD 
I beat myself up every day for certain things that cause me to be late or to miss something or to forget something. I often rush out of the house and when you're rushing, you forget things. I forgot my headphones twice this week on my way to the city. You know how hard it is to have a neurodivergency and be on public transportation? I also struggle with misophonia. I don't like certain noises. I don't like being overstimulated by hearing every single thing out there like it's it's all around not the funnest thing so that's where i am now today january 21st 2023 i don't really have much else to say i am excited for this podcast i actually have content planned out for the next six months again you know hyper focus and i have so many ideas and i can't wait to share them with you all i'm also hoping to get a job within the next couple of weeks so i can buy a proper microphone that i don't have to plug into my phone so I can use it very exciting things coming be on the lookout for more thank you for listening and to close this out somebody in my class recommended that I share you know what the state of my mind is at the end of each podcast or at the beginning of each podcast like what is the sound in my mind right now and right now it's actually pretty quiet which rarely happens But I kind of like the quiet right now. So have a good day, night, afternoon, wherever you are. And I will be speaking with you soon. Bye.